Okay, welcome listeners back to another episode of the Hitting Rock Middle podcast. I am so excited for you to meet my next guest, Stacy Barrose. She, in early 2000, was a merchant with the Federated Department Stores and W.H. Smith. She found herself living as an expat in Budapest, Hungary, which is just an absolutely fascinating place. So I can't wait to ask her all about that. But her time spent in the historical city resulted in the launch of a wholesale company called Europe to You, founded on recreating authentic, sustainable European accents. And after building this business, Europe to You, as a wholesale business over the course of 18 years, Stacy decided to expand the product offerings with a direct consumer model under Etu Home, which she began in 2018. Now, Etu Home has three locations and offers European-inspired utilitarian pieces used to prepare, serve, and store food while keeping sustainability at the forefront of the brand. So I know that you're going to love to hear all about how she has built this incredible three-pronged business, um, direct to consumer, wholesale, and then, you know, the creation of their own products. So welcome, Stacey. We're so excited to have you. Well, thank you, Sally. I'm looking forward to chatting with you today. So if you will, tell our listeners a little bit about yourself and kind of give us the backstory of how you came to be in Budapest, Hungary, um, to start out with. And, um, you know, just what took you into the Europe to you, um, the creation of that original business? Um, okay, sure. So um, I'll, I'll, I'll keep. I'll give you the short version. Um, basically, I'm I'm a um, a merchant um, by by trade. I have a very classic European uh, classic retail background, and um, so I was, went through the whole buying route with um, both, as you mentioned, Federated and W H Smith Retail, which is a British a big British um, high street retailer um, for many many years. And um, so I was on the merchant buying side and. Um, Moved to Budapest, Hungary, uh, for my husband's business and uh, basically moved there um, at a time when um, Hungary was coming out of a communist um, regime for, you know, the country was shut down to communists uh, for over 50 years and they were just coming out of it. It was like the new democratic Hungary and um, it was an exciting place to be. So it had really been shut down to the West for a long time. And as a, by, I, I guess, uh, merchant, or I, I sometimes, you know, people call it fingertips, you're buying, you're buying fingertips, was just like totally alive because there were all these sort of treasures and, and um, exciting opportunities that I found. And I thought, wow, this would be so awesome for the American market. And um, I couldn't, work, work in Budapest. First of all, I don't speak the language, um, which is a really tricky one. And I have tried multiple times over the years, but I, I, I um, it's not for me. So um, sadly, <laughs> um, but I get by. Um, anyway, I decided to um, test the waters and I basically went and um, discovered a, a lot of these pieces that I thought were amazing and um, brought them back to the U.S. I did a mini container actually into my garage at the time. Um, we were living in Hungary, but we still had our, our house here in Atlanta. 
And um, it was it was a pretty amazing success right off the bat. So um, I from how there, did you sell those first original pieces? And what did you think about bringing them back? Did you think that you were going to sell everything? Did you think, oh, my God, you know, I have to unload this. What am I going to do? And what were your initial thoughts? Yeah, it's funny because I literally purchased, I I filled a 20 foot container and um, being the merchant, you know, you know, you just don't ship one thing. You need to maximize your space, you need to maximize your, your, your uh, freight costs and everything. So I literally filled it to the gills with all kinds of um, mostly vintage products like um, dough bowls and Demijohn wine bottles um, found sharp at the time. It was like a called a found breadboard. It's really the cursor to the charcuterie board that, frankly, I'm proud to say Etuhome really did bring to um, the U.S. or maybe globally now. Um, it's an old design. It's an old um, German Bavarian design that's been around for hundreds of years, but we imported the first original ones. And um, ultimately, it's part more towards the middle of the story, but um, ultimately we couldn't keep up with the demand for the vintage pieces. So we invested in a um, factory in Hungary and partnered with them and started recreating authentic, uh, recreating pieces basically designed um, from authentic originals. Um, And then we were able to do this because we were able to use reclaimed wood. So found beams from turn of the century buildings, because you as much as people try, I don't really think you can recreate the old if you don't use the authentic uh, materials that it comes from. So um, it was almost quite difficult to distinguish a vintage board from a new board because they were made in the same way with the same materials. So that's in a nutshell how we kind of got started, unloaded it into my garage. Um, My kids helped me (laughs) unpack it, you know, Um, and then I um, started doing some small um, trade shows. So and ended up on the sales side. So, yeah. So um, what made you want to go more of the wholesale route? Was that just your original background was kind of in that realm and? How did you Uh, choose wholesale versus direct to consumer? It's a really good question. I chose wholesale because um, I think the scale was important and I didn't want to immediately, uh, you know, own a brick and mortar location, which we we could have done, but scale was pretty critical. So we needed, um, we needed, I I guess, the buy-in of um, some major merchants. So I was able to, I guess, bank on my uh, merchant skills um, and sort of become the other side. So instead of the, 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 the buyer, I was now the vendor or the manufacturer. Um, and I just had some connections in the industry, but really um, our, our first launch um, and mo- most people who know a bit about the brand know that we did, we started with Pottery Barn. I met with the buyers. Um, we had a big presentation with them. Um, we bought in, we, we explained what we were doing and they really bought into the quote found concept. And we initially started with found objects for them, solely found. And then again, same thing, we couldn't keep up. So we had to invest and um, recreate. And also, 
expand our sourcing network. So I, I would venture to say one of the one of the greater assets of Etu Home now is our sourcing network throughout Europe. So we we travel and scour pretty much France, Italy, uh, UK. Um, uh, we go we go further east into Romanian, uh, Moldova, Croatia, Czech Republic. So we're we we spread um, depending on what we're looking for. We venture out, and it's a it really is a door to door, village to village sourcing program. I mean, it literally hits the village and then goes door by door. So it's a, quite fascinating. So it's it's good for both sides, um, you know. People are able to generate a nice revenue by selling, and then we're able to find the real the real goods and bring them back to you. Amazing. So let's go back in chronological order for our listeners a little bit. You ship this first container over. Your kids help you unpack it. Yes. Um, did you just, you know, shout out to your neighbors um, and say, come on over to my house and make a purchase? Um, did you throw up a website? How did you get the word out about oh. these products? That you yeah, no, that's a great, um, great question, too. So initially, I did do a friends and family neighborhood. Um, come see what I have situation. And that was great and really, really well received. And then I um took one space just because I think from my background, you know, I, I understood the wholesale trade show side and um, literally rented um, a 10 by 10 in America's Mart, um, a temporary booth. It was There was a section called, um, at the time, called Europe's Finest. And it was really quite fascinating. It was a great group of um, upscale European vendors. Some of them that um, I made such great, you know, early on uh, friendships and professional friendships, now personal friendships, but quite a lot of the resources or vendors that were in that location, we actually do sell now in our Etuham store. Like that's how classic uh, the European designs were and how classic the companies were that um, they're still, they're, you know, a big part of our, what I call our ancillary program, which is other, other, it's part of our market edit. It's vendors and, and sources that we find that we love that um, we don't manufacture, but we we sell as accessories in our store. Um, so I, I had a, a, a booth and that's where I met a lot of these um, uh, merchants and started from there. And then we grew and, you know, we got a bigger booth and, you know, another bigger booth. And then ultimately we did a permanent showroom and we ended up um, at the end of it with about a 6,000 square foot showroom there. And then, you know, multiple, multiple trade shows. Now we've, we've narrowed that a bit uh, via COVID and via the fact that we can do a lot, lot more digitally now, but back then it was, it was pretty much strictly trade shows. Now, digital is a huge focus for us. So. Yeah. So let's say someone else is getting started and has a product that they make, you know, they produce themselves. Is that a route that you would advise another female entrepreneur to use if they're just wanting to get their products out there in, in the marketplace? Yeah. I think I think it's um it's really an interesting um thought that you pose there because now you have 
more options. So now you can throw up a website. Then you couldn't. Um, or you could, but the effort was not the way it is. I mean, you couldn't just go get a Shopify account like in in, in 30 minutes, which you can do now. Um, and with the right visual photography... And this was just the year 2000, right? Yeah, exactly. So, it, so it's wildly different just in this 20-year time span. Well, I mean, everything, order taking, I mean, inventory control, inventory management, real time, everything is so, so, so different. Um, and um, but it's still to me the basic premise of uh, the product and the marketplace and the, 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 you know, the merchant and the buyer and the seller. So if you can connect um, to the if you have the right product and you can connect to the right buyer, um, then it's it's kind of pretty, pretty golden. But I would say it would be a very, very hybrid mix of trade shows versus digitally versus influencers versus, you know, it would be very, very different to get a brand um, started today. And I would think a digital presence would be very important. Um, so your friends and family are, you know, loving everything. How long did it take you to sell out of everything you brought back in that? Yeah, I mean, immediately it just was gone. It was gone. So you days, know, oh, hours, goodness, hours, 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 hours. Love hours. it. So, um, so yeah, that's I an indication can't... you're onto something. Yeah. So I, I kind of transformed my house. I like, it, it was very um, sparsely because we were living overseas as well. So it was, um, uh, there wasn't a lot there. So I was easy. It was easy for me to merchandise it and set it up like a, you know, kind of like a shop and um, set, do tablescapes and kind of uh, really merchandise the product the way it was meant to be shown and understood. Um, and so sold out, as I said, like very, very quickly, um, went back, repurchased, and then um, started to to grow from there. And then, I don't know, maybe within the, the year, I think we did our first trade show. So, um, and then oh, yeah. started to, it started to grow. So slow growth, yeah. but also quite, quite rapid, depending on, um, uh, I don't know where we, where we chose to display. So then we did, we, we ended up in New York, we did, um, um, Las Vegas, we did multiple, multiple trade shows. And then, um, eventually, as you said, expanded into the retail, but that was further down the road, a lot further down the road. Hey listeners, we are so excited to share that the fourth annual Brim Retreat will be taking place in Austin, Texas. This is the premier event for female entrepreneurs that are ready to take their business to the next level. Taking place from April 30th through May 3rd, this three-day event is led by expert business coach Sally Holder and perfectly combines opportunities to connect, learn from the best across industries, and fill your cup with exclusive experiences and group activities. This is your chance to join 150 other phenomenal entrepreneurs and get away from the distractions of everyday life. Give yourself the dedicated time, space, and experiences that will enable you to come back and create massive leaps in your business. So are you ready to have your aha moment in Austin with the brim? To grab your ticket or learn more, visit us at growwiththebrim.com. But hurry, because this event will sell out. So what I love that you're saying too, that I think so many of our listeners can really pick up on is the fact that you did you know, 
leverage the previous relationships that you had. And a lot of female entrepreneurs shy away from that, right? Um, you know, perceiving that they need to be in, you know, business longer or a certain amount of time before they go back to previous relationships they may have had. And it sounds like you realized, hey, these relationships are actually really going to help the advancement of this overall brand, its mission. There is no reason to sit on them and wait, correct? I, I, I think so. I mean, I think that if, um, I mean, in selling, I think that that if you have the right product and you have you you go to the right accounts, the right people. I mean, certainly there's no reason to, um, you know, you have to you have to, I guess, pick your poison. So if you know that you have some contacts that make sense for your brand and could be a brand ambassador or it would make sense for them to support it or buy it or purchase it, then I would certainly, I, I think you have to be confident enough in what you're doing and confident enough in under, truly understanding the person that you're approaching. And if you understand what they're looking for and what their needs are and how your product might make their life better or easier or more glamorous or enhance their assortment, if you're confident on both ends, it's going to, it's going to be a fit. And I would definitely go for it. I mean, you know, I, totally, mm -hmm. because if, if it's not going to work, somebody's going to let you know immediately, but you probably already know it's not going to work. So I would only go after the ones that um, I'm a firm believer in. You, you know, more than you, you know what you know, and you know more than what you think, you know. So if you, if you feel good, it's probably the right thing to do. So great advice. Great advice. Yes. Lean on uh, creating that win-win relationship between yourself and the potential customer you know, I love what you said there, um, because there is an opportunity for you to help them. Um, and when we switch our viewpoint of sales to it just merely being about us solving a problem right. for someone else, then, um, right, all you're constantly doing is making an offer to someone and seeing whether or not the two of you fit together. And if you don't, there's no harm, no foul in the situation, but you can keep going. So... Um, yeah, I love what you said. Um, so if you were following your intuition and there, and it's showing you that this is a great product, then what immediately were you thinking, oh my gosh, I have a multi-million dollar brand on my hands. Why were you thinking long-term? Did you have an immediate vision that this was going to be, you know, an amazing wholesale brand for as long and then, you know, eventually turn into a retail brand as well? Um, I think I felt really good about the wholesale piece. Um, the retail, uh, you know, I, I would, I always like would have loved to, I, I love merchandising. So, you know, in our showrooms, I loved, you know, doing the tablescapes or re-merchandising or repurposing um, the, the, the same charcuterie board. I could repurpose it 5,000 different ways for you. If you, if you let me, um, but, but um <laughs> And they all make sense, right? So, um, and they all have different... You're welcome to do that at my house anytime. Yeah, <laughs> different niches. Um, so I don't... To, to, it, it, you know, you're, you're really making me think now, but I don't think I ever thought to take it retail um, until 
we, we had to get to a certain place where we had to get the pro as we grew, we had to get the processes in place. We had to hire the right team. We had to pay for the systems. We had to, you know, everything from, from your, your financial systems to how you ticket your product, um, skew generation. Um, you know, even, even, um, like we were just meeting this morning on, um, like the naming conjunctions, like, you know, do you say, square, you know, charcuterie, whatever, do you rectangle or did you say, you know, modern charcuterie board, comma square, you know, you have to like all of that like evolves and changes and you think it's nothing, but it's, it's huge. So um, for me, it was the retail piece was being able to have all of that in place, feel really good about that. And then the whole goal was to really grow the brand. And I think that um, the brick and mortar stores, it actually lends huge credibility to the brand. Many, many um, out of the pandemic, many brands were starting off digitally and are now going to brick and mortar where, and then vice versa, brick and mortar stores were then, you know, panicked in the pandemic, you couldn't shop, you know, so they were able to pivot digitally. And so I think there's, there's now you could think of, well, what, which is, what's the better way to do it for us? It just evolved because um, we started on wholesale and then went to, you know, a digital along with a brick and mortar presence direct to consumers. So it just allows more, more people to learn the brand, know the brand, and then to go in and look for it in their local, you know, French boutique or, you know, retail, their favorite retailer to say, Hey, you know, do you carry it to home? And, uh, you know, that that's brought us tremendous business as well. Yeah. You know, stores calling and saying, oh, my gosh, my, my customer was just in Charleston and saw your store and they're asking why we don't carry it. Can you tell us more about your line? You know, um, so it, it, it kind of yeah. interesting how it one one sort of feeds off the other sometimes. Absolutely. Um, it sounds like it's just a really natural expansion of your customer journey. You know, your core offering is that wholesale piece. Um, and there was an opportunity to expand and be able to serve your most ideal customer, like the end user in a bigger way. And the best way to be able to reach them is through this retail location. You can, uh, and I'm so fascinated by the fact that retail brick and mortar today can often serve as this big kind of marketing and advertising piece as well, right? It sounds like you do a lot of customer acquisition that way. Um, and it leads to the expansion of your core offer. And it sounds like it's naturally doing its job um, by doing that, which is so exciting. And I, I something that I really want to point out to our listeners, because what I see a lot of people do, female entrepreneurs, that's who I work with, um, and, and refer to when I say most people is that, right, we try to do all the things and be all the things to everyone at once. And so, it, you know, what it sounds like you've done is you firmed up the systems, the processes, the logistics with regard to your core offer, made that invincible, right? Amazing. And which then allowed you to expand into this other area of the retail. A lot of other people will say, well, let's do all of them at once. Let's start with wholesale. Let's do retail. Let's do direct, you know, direct to consumer online and dominate all of them. And very often that's where they get burnt out, frustrated, and the sales aren't coming in the way that they thought they would. Um, 
So I'm wondering if you were like in the shoes of one of those female entrepreneurs right now, um, and you could imagine trying to do all of those at once, um, kind of what you think you would be feeling and kind of what advice you would give to those female entrepreneurs? Would it be to simplify? Would it be to focus on, you know, one aspect of the business until, you know, before you expand or um, what kind of advice would you give them? Yeah, well, no, your questions are great. Sally, this is like therapy for me because I'm like, oh, well, you know, how did I think about that? Or why why do I think that way? And what your your questions are great because they they do, um, they really are thought provoking. Um, and I think what as you were you were talking, I was thinking, okay, I think the the biggest thing is that um I think as an entrepreneur and especially as a female, you you need to be passionate about what you do and you need to believe in what you do. And um, it's really interesting because I'll circle back really quickly um, in in Hungary, you know, it was Eastern Europe, um, women don't or didn't back in that time frame do very much. Um, and, and initially, I think when I started, you know, I remember coming home to my husband one day and I go, you know, everybody just thinks that I'm just this American with a hobby, you know, and I'm not. I'm American with a passion and a purpose, you know, and, and they, they don't, you know, get it. And I found it in all aspects of, you know, everywhere I, I went there, um, you know, to try to say, wait, wait, I do have this passion and this, you know, I'm going to build this brand. And um, I think the most important thing is to focus on what you do best and what you know you do best and don't try to wear every hat. I mean, hire a finance guy once you're once you're ready or a woman, you know, once you're once you're ready, um, hire somebody to put your systems in place. I mean, I, I can't I mean, I, I my, my marketing VP Jasmine is a perfect example. I mean, we went out and hired her on purpose for her digital skill set. I mean, she has a million, million uh, wonderful traits, but digitally, we knew she could get us to the next level. I, I can't do that. I, I don't want to. I know what SEO is, but that that's enough for me. I don't need. I don't want to know anymore because if I do, I I overload and I can't focus on what I do best, which is creating. Um, the, the the actual product, like what's next? What? How do we enhance what we already have, and how do we um, be what we need to be to our customer base um, through the products that we deliver? And so we're constantly tweaking, we're constantly sourcing, we're constantly looking for, um, you know, even even we're, we're we have a whole new set of. Um, uh, boards coming out. It's a, it's a story of six boards. They're all oak hardwood. And it's, I'm excited about these boards because they actually use the scraps from other boards that we make. I mean, they're, they're decent size. Like we have huge boards, but these guys are, you know, 12 inches or so. And they actually bank on an old world style of repair, um, mend and repair instead of repair and replace or replace. These are, this is on repairing. So there's these um, back in the day, I guess is the favorite term of mine. Um, but um if you had a, a wood cutting board and it cracked or it split due to the elements, or maybe it wasn't properly taken care of, there was a way to repair or mend that board, kind of like darning your, mending your socks, you know, um, you can just go out and buy new socks. 
you know, somebody fixed those socks for you. We we toss them and we go buy new. And that's that's not that's not our motto. That's not what we believe in as a company. So um, we have these new boards coming out made of scraps that show how it would have been repaired. And it's fascinating. It's got these giant metal staples in the bottom of them. And it sounds like what you have metal staples in your boards. They're stunning. They are, I mean, you think you found them in an old uh, farmhouse, you know, in a summer kitchen in Provence, you just happened upon this thing and you dusted it off and you found this gem and that's what these boards look like. And so if I'm not doing that, and 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 in encouraging my my product team to to do that and to make it better to take a concept that I've 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 uncovered or maybe one of my my team members has uncovered if I'm not focused on on that which is our roots our product then I can't um, and I try to do other things I won't do it efficiently so I would say you need to back to your original question. Um, you need to be surrounded by a team that can get you where you want to go because you're not going to be an expert at everything. I mean, you know, you're not, you can't be a great creative designer and then be an expert at IT. Or maybe you can, but I, I don't, I don't know too many of those. So, and I'm not, and I would never profess no. So I think that's what is very, very um, helpful um, in that aspect. I'll, I'll, if that... It- Right Absolutely. It's such a great answer. I mean, the CEO is a job, right? And um, you have a responsibility and your boss is the company overall. And that's what I'm constantly talking to entrepreneurs about. And much of your job is to ensure the vision and the growth of the brand overall. And that requires constant creativity and innovation. And it is very different to occupy, right? I never get it right. Your left side of your brain than it is your right. And if you're attempting to do both of those excellently, as you're putting it, um, you are inevitably dividing yourself in half and then only accomplishing half of what the job itself is asking you to do. And so your half is effective. You're going to right grow half as well and, and likely lead yourself to burning out. So I love your recommendation. You know, it goes back to what Gay Hendricks talks about in her book, um, The Big Leap, about living in your zone of genius, owning that zone of genius, and really allowing yourself to delegate, to eliminate or automate anything that isn't then you can execute the the vision of the brand. And I know that you have a really strong vision for At You Home and You're Up To You, um, which is, is all of it now, At You Home, the brand? Yeah, You're Up To You exists. It's the parent company, but it's DBA, okay. doing business as At You Home, which a little, little, I think plenty of people know it, but it's the E to you. They're like, what does et to mean? What does that to mean? And it's the E, the T and the U. So Europe to you was, you know, we bring Europe to you. So it's just sort of an acronym on the E, the the T for the two and the U for, you know, you. So um, that's the brand name. And yeah, so um, I, I think it's just staying passionate and staying in your lane on what you do best, but sh- being able to share it. Um, like, I don't, I don't, um, my, my, our warehouse or our operations manager, you know, is in charge of all our packing and our shipping. And, um, um, you know, I don't, 
we get I used to, but you know, work with him in much in great detail on the boxes and how we package. And he, I mean, I don't have to do that now. It's a very efficient, well-run machine. If there's something new coming in, you know, I'll I'll say, hey, Brian, you know, watch the handle on this board, you know, when it's packed. You know, we need to be cognizant about the handle or the way the rope lies or something like that. But I know that every box is going to be recycled. I know that the that the the materials that he uses to package is is not going to be, you know, something he's never going to use, you know, styrofoam or, or something that is just forbidden because it's not on brand. Um, I know, you know, I used to do every photo shoot. I, I have a wonderful um, team that does that. I mean, and we're small. I mean, our company is still quite small, but I still have the right people in place that understand my aesthetic and my vision to do our photo shoots. So, you know, it's, it's funny because sometimes I'll overhear them, you know, like, uh, McCall um, is our senior marketing manager that does most of our photo shoots. And I've overheard her with like interns and she's like, no, 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 no. that is not on brand. We, 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 we are not using whatever that might be, some utensil or a toothpick, or I don't know what it might be. She's not, that's not on brand. We can't use that. And she'll explain why. And I love that because I know she got it or gets it. And I think that's the most important thing. And I trust her. So um, I think yes. in believing in, you know, your team is really important, even if it's just an assistant. I mean, I, I had just an assistant once and then I had two assistants, you know. Um, so and even my kids, I mean, they used to help me pack. You know, in my, I mean, I, <laughs> our first orders we packed in my garage, you know, in 100 degrees. So yeah. um, they also get it. So you're a few years into this entrepreneur thing. And guess what? It's hard. When things get tough, it's easy to start feeling like everyone's got it figured out except for you. But that's not true. You are capable of creating anything you want, but nobody's ever showed you how to get there without pulling your hair out. That changes now. The Brim's Revenue Accelerator is the only intimate 12-month group coaching experience created by business expert Sally Holder. Consider it like your fast pass to success. Just like at an amusement park, you can wait in a long line and hopefully get on the ride before it closes, or you can find a better way. Grab the fast pass and get to your goals with ease. So what do you say? You can keep on as you have been, or you can join the Revenue Accelerator and get on your way to five times the revenue growth, along with a community of real entrepreneurs that will cheer you on, hold you accountable, and provide the safe space to get real about running a business. Head to growwiththebrim.com to set up your call and talk with a Brim team member to get signed up today. It sounds like you have a really well-led team because they understand why, right? And that's a huge part of knowing that they have an excellent leader is that they understand why we do certain things a certain way and why it's important and where we're headed as a company. Um, So kudos to you for leading them in that way. I mean, I feel like I could, this went by too fast. I mean, I'm like, we need another hour to talk and ask all of the questions. questions. So if we can wrap up, uh, because I love this part um, that you happened to say for just a moment. And you said, from the beginning, I was telling people it wasn't a hobby. I was building a brand. And I think I could build an entire episode just around that one phrase and one statement that you said. It's really our entire mission at The Brim is to help women 
right? Really own their success and utilize that ownership towards seven figure um, businesses. And, you know, from the beginning, you owned that success, right? And, and started by never letting anyone doubt it by calling it a hobby, right? Or downplay where you were headed. Um, so if you could kind of give just one tip, one piece of advice um, to our female entrepreneurs out there, what would it be? I think that that is probably one of the best because um, I just love that statement that you made. But I was curious what else you might have on the tip of your tongue. Um, yeah, no, that that's interesting too, because I would say... Um, there's a there's a fine line, but um, and I, I would tell you that I have um, on interviews. I know I can tell the minute when I lose someone, which I probably knew I was going to lose them anyway because I could tell from the very first that you know it wasn't going to be a fit. So I knew I was going to lose them. But oftentimes I'll say that, in, and in an interview I always say it. Um, but it's a I'll, I'll tell you, but it's a fine. Um, it's a fine line of how how far you can go with it. And I always say, um, you you know, I will always get my hands dirty. I'm not afraid to get my hands dirty. And, you know, I need a team that is willing to do that too. And what that means is that, um, you know, if... Um, if, if uh, you know, there's a shipment going out to a major retailer and the container arrived late and we all need to stay there till, you know, four in the morning because the trucks are coming the next day. And if we don't get it loaded, we we get a penalty or we lose the order or we, you know, all kinds of things can can happen with that. Um, I'm there. You know, I, I, I will be the last one to leave. Um, and, and if uh, we're setting up a trade show or we're, you know, or even in the warehouse when we're looking at packaging or we're tying the ribbons, you know, on some of our pieces, there's a way to tie that bow, you know, tie the bow way. Don't take a shortcut. There's a way the bow gets tied. And, you know, we'll say, you know, okay, do you see, this is why it's prettier this way versus this way. This is, you know, and we explain, you know, why we do it that way. Um, so when I say, you know, you have to be able to like, sometimes, no, it's not my job. Am I supposed to tie bows? You know, I hope not because if I'm supposed to tie bows all day, I'm never going to be able to, you know, create those boards that I was just sharing with you or hire the next great, you know, a great digital performer. Um, so you can, you've got to get your hands dirty and you got to be able to have people who are willing to do that. But you also have to know, like, I have to know, okay, stop, you know, teach her to tie the bows and move on to the next thing. Because if you get too caught up in the weeds, um, because, and most creatives, I think are also perfectionists. So I would put that on my totally agree. And my, my like team knows about, knows that. And sometimes they'll go, we got this, Stacy. I got it. You know, I know you, I got it. You know, <laughs> like, go away. Like, okay. Okay. So, um, but I like to know that they got it and I like to see that it's done and they'll, you know, they're great with me. They know me and, you know, they know I sleep better at night. If somebody texts me a picture that I see them all lined up like nice little soldiers with pretty little bows and I'm happy because then I know my customer's going to be happy. And then I know that the brand executed the way it's supposed to. So I guess going back to your question of the advice, I would say you have to be if you're passionate, you should be willing to get in the weeds, but you also have to know when to get out of the weeds so you can grow. Yeah, yeah it's, that's great, right? It's it's a pendulum, and I, um, there there are some times where you know more of your time needs to be spent on 
right? Educating your team and letting them understand why. But, you know, sometimes we have to swing the pendulum back the other way and um, get away from those details. So it, it is an ebb and flow. And I love that you presented that because um, even when I say to people, delegate, automate, eliminate, uh, it doesn't mean absolutely all the time. There are, there are no like absolute do this, never do that. Um, it also sounds like you do a really wonderful job. And I think this is a great tip for um, kind of given everything that we've been talking about, about vision and establishing that and, you know, really leading your team with helping them understand why you do what you do and what, what our brand stands for and what it is that we believe in. Um, all really critical things to inspiring them, but is also setting expectations, right? And commun- and not being afraid to communicate what those expectations are. And letting them know that right, sometimes that's going to mean the expectation is if the truck's late, we all stay to get it all done together. And other times the expectation is like, we're all going to have a great time tying the bows together. Right. And, and so I love that you're very clear about what the expectations of accomplishing this overall big brand mission means. Um, and it sounds like they all really get that in a really beautiful, supportive way too. So um, I think it is always helpful for all of us, other female entrepreneurs, myself included, to um, get that great reminder that things turn out well when you have the tough conversations and when you set the expectations early and often. So thank you for yeah, sharing no, that. It's, it's probably the, the greatest mistake is like to know something's not right and not, not, so true. And, and just, it won't get better. It won't get better. Oh, you know, no. if it's wrong. I on say day that one, yeah. it's going to be wrong on day one hundred. If they didn't understand on day one, if you don't stop, even though, and you're right, it's a tough conversation. Um, you know, so I mean, I, and I've heard people go, oh, "Stacy won't like it like that." No, 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 no. It's not on brand. It's not on brand. Get take the personal bit out of it and explain why it's not on brand. Then you know it, it, it's yeah. gonna it's gonna make more sense the next time, which I think I think it does because I, um, I mean sometimes they say to me, I know you're gonna hate this. I know it's not on brand, but we have an idea, you know. But then we can take that and we can. If it's a great idea. Hmm, okay, how can we how can we massage this? I like it. I don't love it yet, but I like it. So what are we going to do with it? You know, so I think that's also fun, but it is, it is hard, especially for women to have those conversations. Um, Yeah, but look at what's possible and look at what you've built and accomplished when you have. So thank you for being here and sharing your story because it is really inspiring for, for so many other female entrepreneurs, right? Uh, Still the stats are, are still so abhorrently low that only 2% of female entrepreneurs have a gross revenue exceeding uh, seven figures. So right. Another big part of our mission is to change that. So, um, you know, just having women on like you that have achieved that wonderful milestone and being able to say, this is how we did it. And this is how we continue to iterate and evolve is so important. So thank you for sharing your story with us, Stacey. I'm so excited you were here. Oh, well, Sally, thank you for having me. I enjoyed it. Like I said, it was nice therapy for me too, because you made me think of so many things. So um, you, you're, you're, you're a wonderful interviewer. Great questions. I, I really enjoyed it. Thank you. So if our listeners want to do business with you, which I know that they are, in fact, I think I'm going on to buy that 
cutting board with the staple in it. If it is already online, I would like to go and purchase that right now. Um, so where can they find you both on social media and online? Yeah, so etuhome.com. Everything will be on, uh, you know, etuhome.com. Um, our, it'll, it also shares where our brick and mortar locations are. Where our, you know, we're, we're in the midst of negotiating a lease on a, a third store in the U.S., which would be our fourth store because we have one in Europe already. Um, so we're on a, um, a growth path. You and I talked a little bit about the South. We are growing regionally. Um, that's our, our mission. It's a, it's a, um, on purpose. We are staying, um, with a regional base first. So we want to, uh, stick to the South for, you know, a short time and then we'll, we'll go from there. But in the moment it will be another Southern store. So, uh, see where that one ends up. But yeah, etuhome.com I think is the best spot. Um, and if, if someone's a, a wholesaler or designer, they can apply um, for a login um, for our wholesale side. Um, but our, our retail side offers, uh, it's, a, it's, it's more robust. So it offers a bit more. So. Great. Yeah. Well, I am so excited for our listeners to go and get items and to visit you um, locally in one of these fantastic new stores. And thank you again. This wraps up another episode of the Hitting Rock Metal podcast. Again, I'm your host, Sally Holder. I hope this made your business just a little bit better. 